Welcome to event number four, the German Translation Jewel. I'd like to thank Arts Council England as the main funders of the festival, and also to our sponsors, Alison and Nigel Falls. This event is presented in partnership with Modern Poetry and Translation, and will be hosted by Claire Pollard, the editor. We have with her Annie Rutherford and Jen Kalea, and I'd like you to give a very warm welcome to our three talented and dynamic writers and poet translators. Thank you. Dynamic. I know, right? It's a bit early for dynamic, isn't it? Welcome, everyone. I'm Claire Pollard, editor of Modern Poetry and Translation which was set up by Ted Hughes and Daniel Weisbord um, over 50 years ago now to be uh, an airport for incoming translations. And their um, vision and their internationalism feels more important now than ever, I think. And we're very pleased to be here dueling again. We've had some duels at Ledbury before. It's a format set up by um, former editor Sasha Dugdale. And I, there's been, last year there was a Ukrainian duel. I don't know if anyone made that. Um, uh, we'd like to thank uh, Ledbury Festival for commissioning this and the Stephen Spender Trust as well who um, uh, sponsored these pamphlets. Has everybody got one of these? Hopefully everyone's got one of these. You'll, you'll need one of these um, as we go on. Um, so I'm just going to introduce um, the poets involved today. So um, Odile Kennel is the poet whose poem we're translating and she was very kind and generous in allowing us to do this. Um, she was born in 1967 in South Germany, the child of a German-French town twinning program. And she was brought up bilingually, and she now lives in Berlin, where she works as an author, poet, poetry translator from French, Portuguese, Spanish, and English. And she's been nominated for numerous um, scholarships and awards, and is, is very well thought of. I think a very exciting poet. Um, then the two translators doing battle today. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> <Huh? laughs> no, it's too early to be building up the tension, isn't it? Later. Annie, Annie Rutherford, who makes things with words, champions poetry and translated literature in all its guises, um, live, has lived most of her adult life between Germany and Scotland. Yep. Do, you, do you live in Germany at all? I live in Edinburgh at the moment, um, but I lived mainly in Germany with students in Edinburgh for three years, I think. And she's programme coordinator for Stanza, Scotland's international poetry festival, um, as well as a freelance translator, and founded Göttingen's yes. poetry festival, um, and the literary magazine Far Off Places, and is the fiction editor for Interpreter's House, and um, do uh, buy a copy at the back of Hydra's Heads, her translation of the selected poems of Nora Gomringer, uh, which came out with Burning Eye Books uh, last year and is absolutely brilliant. So that's available at the back. Um, oh, and you're currently working on translating... Oh, Volya Hapieva, who's an amazing Belarusian poet, and you can find her online and you should check her out. Brilliant. Oh, Thank and she'll you. be in MPT and Ken Moore's translation in this issue, I think. I, I should be saying. <laughs> I know, but I can plug you, come on. Yeah, yeah, great. thank you, yes, that, that is correct. A great poem about someone coming out of a cake, which is in uh, the, the issue, is also for sale at the back. <laughs> at the back of the day, yeah. Okay, Jen. 
<laughs> so uh, Jen Kalea is a writer and literary translator. Uh, her poetry collection, Serious Justice, is published by Test Center. And she was recently shortlisted for the um, Man Booker International Prize and the Schlegelteek Prize for her translations from the German. And you were, um, you, it's not in your biog, but you were translating residence for the British Library as yes. well recently, which yes. was really so, exciting. Yeah, I was the um, inaugural translator in residence at the British Library. And um, Rahul Berry was the second one, and hopefully there'll be a new one next year. But that was a really great experience, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So, this is how it's going to work. So, uh, Annie's very kindly agreed to read the German in the original. Then they're both going to read their versions. Um, and then I'm going to kind of go through it with them a bit line by line, asking some questions. And then there'll be a chance for you to ask questions, which I'm sure a lot of you probably do. Can we have a show of hands who speaks a bit of German here or speaks German? Oh, quite a lot of you. Okay, good. So you probably have better questions than me. Um, I'm not very, not very good at German. I did, I did about two now. years at like, school, but... Yeah. Okay. Annie. Schreib doch mal was mit Erotik. Je cesse de contempler l'astre. Ich bin die reife Frucht, die aufplatzt und nicht wüsste, dass sie reif war. Prall, Knall, Loch. Getropfe, Saft und Sauerei, Rind übers Kinn, macht Flecken am Hemd, beiß rein in die Feige, füttere Erdbeeren, pflücke, zerpflücke, Granatapfel. Ich habe 613 Kerne und kein Gesetz. Setze nur dir hinterher, fühle mich flatterig, fahre die Fühle aus, laufe aus, los, laufe aus. Wie bei allen Gedichten mit Lust, haut die Haut rein, ballert, baut sich mit Schwellköpfen zusammen, dehnt sich zur Zone, Geozone, Zeitzone. Was noch? Auch Meeresfrüchte flaggen in so einem Gedicht ihren feuchten Platz. So ein Gedicht muss Austern benennen, Perlen offenbaren, salzigen Sud und die anregenden Eigenschaften von Eiweiß. Olympus, o Saumtraum, dieses Gedicht bleibt den Umständen geschuldet Fragment. Säuselt nur, seufzt, träufelt, verläuft sich, besäuft sich und so weiter. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is Jen's translation. Here we go. <laughs> go on, write about eroticism. J'ai cessé de contempler l'astre. I no longer contemplate the heavenly body. I am the ripe fruit that bursts open, not knowing it was ripe. Plump, pop, split, drip, 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 juice and muckiness runs down my chin, spots my shirt, bite into that fig, gorge on strawberries, pluck down, poke holes in a pomegranate. I have 613 seeds and no order to follow. Pursue only you, feel all a flutter, flex my feelers, charge after destiny, discharge. As with all poems about desire, nip, tuck into skin, open fire, fuse with cavernous bodies, extend towards the zone. Geozone, time zone, what else? 
Free de mer also demand their moist spot in a poem like this. A poem like this must mention oysters, exposed pearls, salty swill, and the stimulating qualities of protein. O limb, O hemline dream, this poem remains, owing to the circumstances, a scrap, only purrs, sighs, trickles, goes astray, gets intoxicated, etc. Why don't you write something erotic? J'ai cessé de contempler l'astre. I am the ripe fruit which bursts and didn't know that it was ripe. Swell, slam, split. Drips, juice and juiciness, runs down your ch chin, stains your shirt, bite into the fig, feast on strawberries, pluck, pluck apart pomegranates. I have 613 seeds and no commandments. I'll be right behind you. I feel fluttery, flex my feelers, run on the whistle, run out. As in all poems of desire, the skin smacks, bangs, screws into swelling flesh, stretches to a zone. Geozone, time zone. What else? Fruit de Mer, too, demands its moist place in such a poem. Such a poem must name oysters, expose pearls, salty brine, and the stimulating properties of protein. Olympus. Oh, seem dream, this poem necessarily remains a fragment, merely whispers, sighs, trickles, gets lost, gets drunk, etc. Brilliant, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so titles. Um, I think I thought of writers who quite often tell stories about how they're told what they should write about and like the i was genuinely i was once in a reading where two people were like so you've now written about a teenage girl why don't you read about write about a teenage boy <laughs> and so i think i partly thought of that kind of like that it's almost like the voice of a reader or something yeah so. why do you never write yeah, and there's another poem in the same collection, which I think, I can't remember, do either of you remember this? It's like, why don't you write something pornographic or something? Yes, yeah, yeah. And it ends with her being like, nope, <laughs> can't, can't do that one. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, kind of felt like it fell into the same thing. Mm. Yeah, I wondered, cause it, it, I wondered who the voice is in the title, in a way, who we're thinking it, it is, whether it's a voice, a voice to self, or but you think it's a kind of... Ex I sort of imagined like a friend or a family member who tries to appreciate the poetry but doesn't quite get mm. it. Mm. Um, yeah, I had. I mean, I had the same thing that I imagined it was a reader or somebody. Um, yeah, again, the same thing of telling her what to write. And I think with mine, because um, I really like um, how it's. Schreibe doch mal. I had, <laughs> yeah. I had someone that was a bit more emphatic, so yeah. I had that kind of more niggling like. Go on. <laughs> um, yeah, but I made it because it didn't yeah. have the U. I thought yours sounded more like it was a deal's voice almost. Like oh, okay. Her saying to herself, oh, go on. <laughs> well, I like that as well. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I hadn't mm. even thought of it being her voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's see where this gets you. Let's see, let's see where this takes me. Mm -hmm. hmm. And then the uh, epigraph. So you chose to translate that. 
Do you want to say something about that? Yeah, so I think um, when, whenever I'm translating anything, but especially poetry, I think you, you make decisions at the time and on the day that you wouldn't necessarily make on any other day. So it's, <laughs> I think that when, you know, whenever I do a translation, it's really a translation in that specific moment when I was thinking about these specific things that if you'd said, okay, you've got in six months' time, mm. you're going to have to translate it again, it would be different. But thinking when I was translating it, it um, for this, in my head, the first thing that came to mind seeing the French was I, d I don't think a lot of people mm. would know what this means. Um, and so I was feeling quite generous, and I was like, yeah. I want to have it in English as well, yeah, because I don't know who's going to read it. Um, you know, it could be someone that does or doesn't. So I was assuming that mm. it would be someone that didn't, whereas I think in a German language context, um, that, that it's more common that people might know the yeah. French. But no, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> but ha but having, a, ha having an epigraph in another language mm. is, is always a slightly setting a sort of bar of entry a little bit? I think, for me, because I know that Odile is Franco-German and she translates mm. from the French, so I kind of... I think your solution is really nice of having the French and the English. I really like that. But I definitely... I didn't even think of that, and I was mm. like, I don't want it to be in English because it's important that it's French, mm. and particularly with Odile, that's part of who she is and that works mm. into her writing. Um, and I think also, for me... I'm not, I wouldn't claim I actually thought about this this much, but I'm going to claim this was my subconscious thought, is I think the subtitle, it feels quite different to the poem. Mm. It's like, it's over here and the poem's kind of over here. And so it sort of worked for me that you had to kind of stop and pause for a moment and be like, huh? Um, yeah, it's, it's not, true. it doesn't yeah. feed into the poem in an obvious no. I thought about, is it Oscar Wilde? We're all lying in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And it's mm. like, I'm not looking at the stars anymore. So I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at the gutter instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was that my, my association. Yeah. I think with mine as well, I think that my, the translation or the, the poet's, poem itself actually then um, has influenced the way I've translated the epigraph yes. as well, because I, I found it too tempting, the fact that you could have a the translation as being the heavenly body. Mm. And it's like, ho, 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 that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to reference the poem directly. So I think it's, it has that problem of um, having the translation. It, it's, like you've mentioned, mm. actually, it's, it's very separate, the mm. epigraph to the poem. But um, because I, I haven't kept that wall, it's kind of blurred into one. But it's so. quite nice when you can do that. I, like, I, I love this kind of project because I'm like, it's not just my translation that's representing the poems, so I can be like, oh, look, I can make this pun. doesn't matter that it wasn't there in the original mm. because no one's going to come up to me and be like, well, mm. Annie. Well, I mean, one of yeah. you might. But <laughs> that's interesting. You didn't feel the same responsibility yeah. as you might feel No, you can as be a, a lot more playful. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, talking of playful, let's look at the first couple of lines then. So the tonally, these are quite... I mean, they're quite close, but tonally, this, they're quite different, aren't they? Particularly in that run of words. So, Annie, I think yours is sexier, I'm going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Swell, slam, split. Whereas plump, pop, mm -hmm. split. <laughs> yes. Is definitely more... It's a different tone. It's kind of... Which I like. It's kind of a bit... It's definitely a bit grubbier. Grubbier. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why grubbier? I'm interested. Yeah. 
don't know, plump and pop are just pop. I think because I was actually <laughs> avoiding um, the alliterations. I think I was really... Because um, the alliteration is really nice, having swell slams. Mm. But, and in the German, having Prahl, Knall, Loch, I was, I was like, oh, it can't be alliterated because it's not alliterated in the original, not that that matters. Um, I really liked... You do have rhyme, though, in the original, don't you? Which you've yes. kind of echoed in the pop. Yeah. pop. That is yes. closer. Yes. That's a sort of rhyme. I think I was really going for sound um, over the alliteration, which is just a personal choice. And I, I got obsessed with the word plump. I just really <laughs> like it. I think it had a... In my head, it was like something very... Um, yeah, it's kind of got a gross, actually. <laughs> Thinking of like a, a body part mm. being kind of like hot and mm. plump. Is yeah. Yeah, really gross thinking about it. But it's it also, used, you're using it as a kind of verb here, aren't you? To plump, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's usually used as an adjective, but here it's a kind of, it, it's used as a verb. Yes, yes. Hmm. Um, so I have a confession to make at this point, which is I'm part of a, we call it the Translators Stammtisch, which is like, it's kind of like a creative writing workshop for translators, and we bring our poems and we workshop them together. And they moved the date the month that I was working on this, and I couldn't go, but I knew that they quite often don't have enough texts to workshop, so I sent it being like, look, I can't make it, mm. but I'm sending this in. If you have any suggestions, have fun. They had far too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it came back with all of these innuendos that I wouldn't even have come up with. Um, and did I have swell? I definitely had slam, and I think I had swollen at that point. Maybe I did have swell. So I had swell slam crack, I think. Mm. And they, but they definitely had a lot of fun with that line. I remember that. And just was like, oh, okay, guys. Um, but I think also I really liked the pral, knal, loch, like that it's such a strong thing. And I wanted to try and have similar sounds, which I think we've both yeah. just done in different ways. Crack, yeah. That's interesting. Um, yes. Is it dry, splits, or wetter? I think. Uh, so I, I also, looking at this, was like, oh, I had a much ruder suggestion <laughs> yeah. originally, which cracks more of we're an not going to say out loud. Um, and, I, yeah, I think I was trying to... I didn't like whole. I didn't... I just didn't like it. Yeah, and so whole I was, was just such a horrible choice. Yeah. Yeah, literally, it's whole. But it's just, like, in the English, just doesn't work. It's yeah. all having whole. It really, <laughs> and so I was trying to come up with all of these alternatives, mm. and I think I just wrote a list of, yeah. and crack kind of works in both with knall and with loch in a way, because it's mm. kind of like the sound of knall, but it also kind of means a hole, and yeah. But did you also pick split the same reason I did, which was that it matches up with, so in the originally you have loch and then getropfe, is that... No. Do, are you trying to, so no, you are much more thoughtful than I am. Ah, okay. Because <laughs> that's the only reason I went with split oh. over the choices was because I liked that split drip. there was a, a connection between the lines. Mm. I don't think I did. Um, it's like the sound almost drips down onto the mm -hmm. next line. I think I more I felt like because Pral and Canal have such a strong rhyme, and I was like I can't get that, so I'll at least have a longer bit of alliteration. Mm. So I think mm -hmm. it was more. That was kind of the reason I went mm -hmm. for it. Mm. Okay, well, let's look at the, those next lines then. So, Jen, you've gone for drip, drip, drip. 
juice and muckiness runs down my chin, spots my shirt. Yes. Well, All those drips. The drips. So I just, I just wasn't happy with dripping as a, as a choice. I mean, you've gone with drips, which is absolutely does the job. Completely. But drip, drip, drip is amazing. I love. I would not have thought of that. I, I love that so I much. I think I was just feeling a bit whimsical, <laughs> and I, I really liked how in the German, like getropfer, has that that beat to it, which made me think of dripping mm. whereas dripping i didn't get that same mm. image so i think i was just being i mean i took it out and put it back in about five times because for some reason i was like this is ridiculous you can't do this you can't have trip 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 but then um i really like your choice Annie, with so with zaft and zauragai having juice and juice. That mm. made me so happy when really I came nice. up with that. <laughs> and it was one of the first things I came up with. And I was, I, again, I have like a list of synonyms next to juiciness, but juiciness always won. So it's like, yeah, it's lovely. so beautiful. Um, we've, got, we've got spots my shirt and stains my shirt. Mm -hmm. So yeah, What's closer? Because um, like, I mean, I can suggest flack to it. Macht flecken. It's li it is literally to make a stain or to make a... I mean, if I if if this were not water and I spilt it, then I would have yeah. made a fleck. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's is too it, dirty. Is it like is it like fleck? Yeah, in a fleck English. is. Oh, could is you it like use fleck? fleck? I mean, or, well, it's a, or is that a it's false? a stain. It yeah. is a stain. I think I went for spots because again, I think I was thinking of the actual image of or like what you say if, say you've like eaten a peach mm. and then like the juice, the, you know the way it kind of drips on your mm. shirt. In my head, I. Would say, well, what would I say? I'd say, oh, maybe it's it's spot my shirt, mm. but um, I sometimes lean towards that of that um, that more direct way of communicating. Mm. Yeah. But I think so. I had make spots originally, which I didn't like because the makes is kind of clunky, and I don't think I thought of making spot into a verb. And then I had either dirties or stains, mm. um, and I quite liked both of them because they sort of played into the whole. It has a moral yes. quality. Stains, or also it? just kind of a slight, it's, there's yeah. the moral quality, but also a slight bedsheet quality, I guess. Yeah. There's a bedsheet quality. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like you kind of think of like yeah. dirty linen or, mm. and so I liked that because I felt like it wasn't just a, a stain on your shirt, it was a little bit more. Um, okay. mm. I was curious, I only realized when. I was reading, this is why I stumbled midway. I was like, oh, you made it my chin and I made it your chin. Yeah. Um, it's neither in the original, mm. to be fair. Yeah, I mean, that, again, I, I had a version very similar to yours where, um, well, yeah, like, because in, in the original, it's, you know, Rind Uber's kin is just runs over the chin mm. and it's very, like, separate to a human. It's, like, mm. very um, objective almost. And... I, yeah, I, I tried both, I, and I, I went with um, it being, yeah, the, the person experiencing yeah. it. And I showed it to a couple of German-speaking friends, and because I was like, I think I'm going crazy. Like, I can't really <laughs> tell who, who it is, if it's you him. or if it's me. And more of them said, oh, I think it's the direct... Mm. Does be, it does begin unsure. with I, this poem, doesn't yes. it? So you're just yeah. continuing that thought. I think yeah. for me it was because I'm the fruit, which is like burst, so I would be the one dipping da dripping down the chin, I, I think. Oh, so yes. yes, 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 yes. I think that's where I was coming from. Um, I also just love using poems. It really draws the reader in, I think. Mm. Um, 
Okay, let's look at the next line then. Uh, so in Annie's translation, bite into the fig, feast on strawberries, pluck, pluck apart pomegranates. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so pluck, I think I've written this in the translator's note. I genuinely went through Goblin Market and wrote a list of words that I enjoyed, and many of them I sadly did not get into the poem. And I, like you, like with Plump, I think I had words where I was like, I really want this in. So those who don't know, Goblin Market is Christina Rossetti's... Very um, strange poem. Kind of for children It's supposedly... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so it's about two sisters one of them really wants to buy fruit from the goblin men the other one is like don't buy the fruit from the goblin men remember what happened to Jeannie <laughs> uh, who is now dead and, but she does and then um, she kind of wastes away and she really wants more of the fruit but she never sees the goblin goblins again even though her sister can see them and eventually her sister basically goes and gets fruit for her but by going to the goblins, refusing to give them a lock of her hair, which is what they want in payment, and they get so annoyed that they like throw peaches and plums and everything at her, and she has all of this juice running down her face, and she goes back to her sister and is like, I've got goblin fruit juice for you. <laughs> and the sister licks all of the juice off her face, and then she's okay again, um, and they kiss, <laughs> and then they both get married and have children, and then they tell the story to their children. <laughs> And Christina Rossetti is, was adamant that this was not erotic and totally not a relationship. Uh, yeah. It was very strange. Uh, but no, I really wanted to get plump and unpecked in. Mm. Unpecked, mm -hmm. I thought was great. But that was where I got plucked from. Plum. And so I'd had pick, pick apart pomegranates, which is literally what it means, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really liked pluck. I thought it was a bit more sensual yeah, yeah i went for the more kind you've of got pluck as well i've you? got pluck um again i really liked yeah in the i read the original as it being pluck down pluck apart and i i could have kept the two plucks i think but again i was um yeah i've gone for the kind of seedier that, <laughs> that wasn't meant to be done um the the other option um because it was just too tempting this idea of like Poking holes in the um, <laughs> in the pomegranate. Sorry, let's make it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because again, I could. It's that the plucking apart. I could imagine, you know, that you'd use the holes as a way of plucking. Apart. I've got like this very visual, literal way of imagining um, doing it. But again, pluck. I thought was a really. That's a nice. It's a great yeah. word. Um, yeah. Yes. I quite like that you had that fig. Yeah, I was really pleased with that, even though it's such a tiny thing. But again, it's when I think when I'm translating, I do try and look out for those moments where, it, you know, when it says, oh, you know, eat the fig, it just felt like it was floating in space. Mm. So I quite liked that it's like that suddenly yeah, no, really grounds like it in a space, like a, a real Desire space. is very specific as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's just something feels more sensual because it's so specific, I think. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and then, well, the pomegranate, I suppose, the symbolism of the pomegranate. So were we were earlier. talking about this. I was saying, when I was a kid, I always thought that a pomegranate must have 12 seeds because Persephone ate six seeds and had to spend half of the year in hell. So clearly, she should have eaten half of the pomegranate. 
And then when I saw a pomegranate, I was like, this is really unfair. <laughs> and I was saying this to my German friends once, and I, was, we, I had a pomegranate, and I was cutting it up, and they were like, what? And they'd never heard of Persephone, which for me is like the first association mm, with a pomegranate. Yeah. Um, but what I found out when I was Googling, because I was like, 613 seeds. Pretty sure, although it has more than 12, it's not mm. 613. And it turned out that according to... I think possibly Jewish legend, um, pomegranates have 613 seeds, and that's how many commandments there are in the Torah. Um, and so it somehow became associated with, with that, which mm. is a strange connection. It's but a really strange connection. Yeah. But I was, yeah, I was saying I'm, I'm really glad that, um, in a way, that I'd missed that reference, because I think it's a good illustrative point, the fact that so when I was Googling it, we do a lot of Googling <laughs> as translators. Um, you know, I was Googling um, pomegranate seeds order, like as in mm. maybe it was a game or it was like some <sighs> kind of sexual fetish that I like, didn't I know about. I think I did the Googling in German, which maybe is why I Maybe that's why it came up. Yeah. Because as well, I, I showed it to, a couple, again, these uh, German-speaking friends, and I said, you know, does this does this mean anything to you? Maybe it's something specifically mm. in German culture. And they said no, but I think that shows that it's, um, you know, even if you're a native speaker of something, it doesn't mean that you'll understand mm. everything that's in a poem. No, of course, and like poems how, have obscure things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's interesting that you, you'd found that mm. very specific. And it changes because, well, so you've gone for orders, which sounds yeah. more, it sounds more like someone in search of a, well, it's it's, it sounds like somebody wants to be dominated or something. Yeah. It? So it sounds more like a sex game in yours. Sure. Um, that wasn't what I was going for, but I like that <laughs> reference. <laughs> it was more um, in terms of the order of the seeds. So oh, again, okay. I think it was more that somehow the pomegranate was a map or a game. And like, because mm. uh, yeah, in gazettes is law or commandment. Yeah. Um, but you didn't know what order to eat them in. Yes, basically. That's yeah. very specific. I know. Whereas in yours, it's more... You get too deep into yeah. these things sometimes. Yeah. Mine... So I found that... I think it was even on the German Wikipedia page for pomegranates. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, 613 seeds. And I wanted somebody reading my version to be like... To, to be able, if they thought, what on earth is this line about, to Google 613 mm. seeds, commandments, and find what I'd yes. found, and they wouldn't find that if I put anything other than commandments. That's mm -hmm. interesting. So it was partly that, and partly I thought, okay, okay, Gazette is quite neutral in the original, but it does here really mean a religious law, and that's, I think, quite important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think bringing um, in the religion is important. Yeah. is important. And the breaking fruit, of fruit, anyway, we think of Genesis. Yeah. You know, as soon as you talk about bad fruit eating. Yeah, <laughs> no, saying, totally. And <coughs> also, some people think that it was actually a pomegranate. A pomegranate, they, exactly. In the Garden of Eden. Um, and mm. I think that's really fascinating. Um, mm. So, yeah, no, I did, I wanted to have that potential connection if people were looking for it. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, I've been a bit husky. <clears throat> so the next bit, I'll be, I'll be right behind you. <clears throat> I feel fluttery, flex my feelers, run on the whistle, run out. Um, <clears throat> so I'll be right behind you, I think, only works 
when I'm reading it out loud in a creepy voice. Yeah. <laughs> but in my head, it's meant to be mildly creepy. Because it's, so it's actually, it's mm. like, I'll sit down behind you, but in a slightly like, I'm going to be watching you kind of way. And um, yeah, so I was trying to get that. I've no idea whether I have. <laughs> and you've got pursue only you. Yeah, so there were, there were a couple of specific reasons. So in the original, you have Gizette's, and then Zetza, which, you know, I wanted to somehow keep um, the relation between those two words. So I've done something very different, which is I chose words that were connected in a different way. So follow and pursue. Mm. So there was still <coughs> this kind of connection between them. Um, but it's less creepy, definitely. But there is, it, it's quite interesting because in some ways it's just the traditional language of romantic poetry isn't yeah. it mm -hmm. i will pursue you yeah, yeah. no it's very there. yeah la, la. but actually the the language of romance is quite creepy or it's a very <laughs> yes. fine line yeah yeah <clears throat> when you think about it i always <laughs> think if there's a line of a character in something that says pretty much every rom-com if it were real life would end in a restraining order <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. yeah 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 it's got that feeling about it and, and what is this run on the whistle Could you so Laufer auf los is los is like um, the equivalent of like ready steady go. What's the ger what's the full thing in German? Fertig los, thank you. <laughs> so Laufer auf los is like you're running on go mm -hmm. basically. Um, ah, okay. So and it's, it's like the starting whistle. Yeah, and so it's Laufer auf los, Laufer aus. So I wanted to get the repetition and run on the whistle kind of sounded better than run on go, or also a bit clearer, I think, in my head. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. I overcomplicated mine by, because loss um, can also mean destiny. I kind of elevated it in an un unnecessary mm. way. So I, I have, um, yeah, charge after destiny. It's um, very, very different there. Isn't very, it? very different. Yeah, this section <coughs> in particular, I think, because it was, there's so much going on yeah. that the interpretation kind of ramps up, mm. I think, in the middle of the poem. And then, um, again, like, because then I'd gone for destiny, kind of referencing this double meaning. It's so hard when you have double meanings, because, like, I, in, in this instance, I really wanted to jam them all in, yeah. <laughs> um, whereas in other, other instances, I wouldn't have done that. Um, I really so enjoyed I the kind of charge discharge. I love yes. the, the, the <laughs> highness and then the kind of dirty. Yeah. I mean, dirty, again, discharge, dirty. I kind of went <laughs> when I wrote it. But um, it, I, and there's kind of t it, all these different kind of connections. So you have destiny, discharge, desire, um, which I, I found very satisfying. Um, but yeah, it felt like discharge was that kind of more mucky um, decision. Yeah. Mm. Okay, let's uh, let's run on a bit because we're only halfway through the poem. <laughs> Time's ticking. I want people to have a chance to ask questions as well. Um, so the next bit, as as with all poems about desire, nip, tuck into skin, open fire, fuse with cavernous bodies. Yeah. Extend towards the zone. Well, there's a lot to talk about there, but could you talk about that nip, tuck into? Yeah. So I kind of explain it in the in my little introduction, but it's um. Again, I was trying to jam all the associations I had, um, imagining all the associations that maybe a German speak would have when reading that line. So in the original, you have Haut die Haut which can be 
you know, bite into skin, but also, you know, whenever you're buying like a face wash, you have reine Haut, which means clean, you know, clean skin. Um, so I had that association as well. And the fact that you've got Haut and Haut, mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, means bite, but also means skin, and it appears twice. So I was, I was like, I just went a bit too far again <laughs> by having, you know, nip, both nip into and tuck into, have this kind of eating. Mm -hmm. And then nip-tuck, obviously, is kind of plastic surgery, which kind of recalls kind of body, but also this kind of gross grossness that I wanted to have in the poem. So that's, that's why that you have this nip-tuck, because mm. I quite like to have both the surgical fleshiness, but also this, this biting and nipping yeah. image. Yeah, it's really interesting. You could have something much simpler, but again, yes, I have to yeah. say, Annie, you're winning on the sexy. This was, <laughs> this was once again my translator's group. Um, I think I have thought about all of those words, and I was like, I can't do that. That's just too much. Just and then they came smart. back and they were like, yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. So that, um, yeah, was partly not, not entirely my... Only my input. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, on one side we've got fusing with cavernous bodies and having surgery, yeah. <laughs> and on the other just some good old-fashioned screwing. Yeah. Flesh. I mean, <laughs> that's what it's about. I think the other thing here was um, so my my main German poet Nora Gummeringer has a three-page long poem called "Sex" capital letters, which is entirely about sex against a wall, and um, she has this whole thing about zones and a whole thing about it's like this extended baking metaphor. Um, and I found out it's even meant to be a particular recipe. And so I think that somehow for me, there was also this connection with that going on. And so the swelling and the baking and the zones, <laughs> or somehow, although that's a totally different poem, definitely played into how I thought about it. Yeah, it's um, weird with the, because cavernous bodies, I don't know why I've gone this kind of surgical medical route, because cavernous bodies is, um, yeah, it's, it's a medical term for erectile tissue. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to, but I wanted to have this more poetic, <laughs> the poetic choice. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely could have gone more literal. And yeah, you've gone for the sexy, I think sensual. something that I find quite often is, I feel like Germans talk a lot more um, specifically about bodies. Um, and even just like, you know, all of my friends in Germany, like they had their GP, but then they had their skin doctor and their gynecologist. And yeah. I was like, what? And so, and this is definitely something I've had when I've been translating where they'll have something very specific and we have a word for that, but we would never talk our body, mm. about our bodies that. Mm. And so I did originally have corpus cavernosum, oh, yeah, which the, is the literal yeah. translation of, of Schwellkörper and swelling flesh. And then I was just like, we'd never, we'd mm. never say that. Whereas clearly in Germany, they would know what that meant without being having mm. to sort of stop and think about it. Um, Definitely. Okay, well, the next, the next bit, you've actually got more in common. There are mm -hmm. bits of snap we yes. can play here. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just rush on a bit through that. Um, I mean, there are some small differences, like moist place, moist spot, a salty swill, salty brine. But let's just look at the last bit before we <laughs> open it to questions. Um, so we have this dot, 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 three dots. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I, this lovely last section, Olympus, O Seam Dream. I really like Seam Dream. This poem necessarily remains a fragment, merely whispers, sighs, trickles, gets lost, gets drunk, etc. And Jen's O Lim, mm -hmm. which is very different, O Hemline Dream. 
This poem remains, owing to the circumstances, a scrap only purrs. I really like that ana the animalness of the poem there. Sighs, trickles, goes astray, gets intoxicated, etc. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love that purring, purring poem. It's a f what, what do you think about this little end? It's an interesting... It's very different from the body of the poem, isn't it? Yeah, I... I love it. I have no idea what some of it means. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great. And um, I kind of partly, I guess, was sort of thinking about, you know, being with somebody and then kind of, you know, and there's a wonderful thing in, I think it's Perrault's mm. version of Sleeping Beauty, where the prince and the princess spend a long time together and it's really lovely, but somehow they don't say much. Um, and it's kind of very clear what's going on without, without it being explicit. And I think I kind of thought of that like, you know, you drift into silence with somebody and then you come back and you're having this conversation and it's in a totally different place and it maybe mm. doesn't really make sense. So I think that was kind of what I imagined this bit of the poem to be doing. It's perhaps something about climaxing as well, in a way. Or you'd expect a poem like this to kind of build to a... Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I like that. It kind I, of refuses I, a climax. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of... Um, it's <laughs> taking away the titillation that you're kind of building, and then she's like, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know <laughs> what else there is. And she... Yeah, she kind of... Yeah, does yeah. a bit of a cock block. <laughs> a cock block. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a nice way of describing the, <coughs> the final but stanza. It's, it, it's really nice. Mm. I, li I really love... I mean, reading that final line in the German is so nice with all the Zausel, Zeuf, Treuf, Verläuftisch, Besäuftisch. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's such a lovely way of, like, leaving a poem. Um, and, like, obviously, Zaumtraum, I was just like, has to be seem dream, has to be seem dream. But then I was like, why is it seem, why is it a seem dream? Like, why is it about seams? Um, and Zaum can also be the hem line mm. so I, I went with that again as a more because I just couldn't understand what's sexy about a seam whereas like a hemline just seemed more I know, just like loved the sound of that up upskirting maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think like that yeah that seemed more direct image but yeah Zaum Zaumtraum I was sitting there going Zaumtraum Zaumtraum yeah it works so well, instantly yeah. in English. It's quite funny because you actually mentioned that. So I sent Claire my translation and she got back being like, oh, can you do a translator's note? Maybe talk about the world wordplay brackets seem dream exclamation mark. Mm. And I was like, I don't know what the wordplay <laughs> in that is. I'm actually really bad at innuendo. I know you wouldn't know it from this translation. Um, <laughs> but I was looking at it and I was like, I've clearly done something. <laughs> And I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I ended up sending it to a friend who was very good at innuendo, being like, Beth, can you please explain this to me? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to um, And I then... I guess I'm, I'm more meant that Odile's kind of invented a word yeah. there, I assume. Her yeah. wordplay, I was thinking. And I thought that was, it was a really lucky one. It just seems, seamlessly translates into English. And you've got that rhyme and you've got the echo. But I also, after talking to Beth, mm. was like, okay, it's sort of got the C in it in the mm. English version, which you've had the, the mm, seafood, yeah. seafood, and it's also got um, semen. 
effectively. Yes. Ah. So, and the German semen would be Zaman, which isn't that far off Zaum, mm. so it's possible ah. that that was. Mm. Um, but I think I quite often do that, that I translate something and then I find the reasons for why I like it. Yeah, so. I guess I'm, yeah, I mistrust the ease of it, which is like, and it could be a real problem as a translate mm. where you're like, if it works too easily, you're automatically just like, it can't be right. That yeah, can't be yeah. right. <laughs> I have to change it. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, um, questions? Questions? Uh, Alison. Thanks to everyone. I'd like to frame the decision to translate the effort. I think there is a strong case of translating everything. As it's my understanding, you can go to the state to look for quite well educated, but perhaps knowing nothing in any foreign language. So, well done for me. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'd like to go to the 600 and how many uh, seeds, um, which didn't mean a thing to me when I read it until I read um, Annie's explanation. Um, and that interested me because I'm, I'm in the middle of translating poetry from a culture much more distant mm. than uh, modern Germany, and it's full of references that don't mean anything to a 21st century English person. And the only way I can see to, to deal with it is to have lots of footnotes, which doesn't seem a very nice thing to do with translating mm. poetry. And my question is, are you happy to leave something like this mysterious? knowing that the audience, the readership, won't know what it's about. I think it depends a lot. I mean, I remember when I was 17, reading one of Seamus Heaney's longer poems and absolutely falling in love with it. And I did not get any of the references. And then we did it in Advanced Higher English, and I realised there is a reference in every single mm. line. But the amazing thing about Heaney is you can, you can be like, oh, that's King Lear. And you're like, oh, that's really clever, it means this. Or you can not know any of it, and it's beautiful. And I think in an ideal world, that's what poetry should do. I definitely, when I'm translating Valia, because Belarusian poetry, Belarusian culture obviously has a lot of references that are just completely, it's just a different culture. And I have had things, so um, we were doing a poem together yesterday, which is about illegal abortions and the kind of plants that people would use for, for trying to abort a child. And there I did sort of think, okay, should I try and use something from a, from a British culture because mm. nobody is gonna read fig tree or ficus yeah. and be like, oh yes, of course, this thing. And I would, so I would think about it in that particular context when it's like, it needs to be about this thing yeah. and people need to know that. I think the question is often, would the original would the reader in the original language understand? Mm -hmm. Like the 613 seeds, they might well not, exactly. actually, which is quite interesting. So therefore, I think it's fine if the English reader doesn't. Yeah. Whereas if it's something like, when I was doing a new version of Ovid, um, I had the same problem. Loads of kind of mythical references no one would have a clue of now, but at the time, everyone would have fully understood them. So I just, I just cut a lot of them out, but then it depends what you're... My favourite thing, have you read um, Seasonal Associate, or Saisonarbeit? Um, so it's by a German writer, Heike Geisler, I want to claim, and it's translated by Katie Derbyshire, who is like queen of all translations from German to English. And it's amazing. It's like one of the best translations I've ever read. And it's got this very chatty, direct style in the German anyway, where the author's directly addressing the reader. 
um, and she'll explain things to you. And Katie just continues that. So there's this bit where she's talking. I can't remember what it is, but there's wordplay in it. And she's like, oh, and by the way, in German, this means this, because the narrator's doing that anyway. And I mean, you can do that in prose in a way that you can't in poetry, but it's so beautiful because the only reason I know that's not in the original is a German would know this. Where, and it completely fits the tone. It's like, ah, oh, so beautiful. It made me really happy. Um, yeah, Hannah? Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the mind breaks and how you were both thinking about sort of keeping the integrity of the mind breaks or, or not. So, um, so, I was wondering why neither of you actually translated the word rhyme in the phrase price rhyme that can write into the game and kind of keep it from the next one. But you'll see some of the future versions of the type of version there. But I suppose also, you know, the difference between me and the story that is not and the knowing kind of separated across the line, which I guess Jenny is very much because I can't marry up and didn't. Just I thought that you have the actual past tense in English, you know, you're going to have to bring the knot. Well, could you, you two heard it, could you kind of yeah. reframe it slightly as you explain? Yeah, I think it's about, um, so I talk about line breaks and, you know, keeping it um, consistent with the original poem and um, why sometimes it doesn't keep. Um, could you repeat the first example, Hannah? So, the, the vice line in the tiger, I was just wondering why yes. the tiger you have done anything about the rhyme, or the, that just seems like it doesn't have the vice line in the same well, rhyme because is rhyme is into, into. is into. So it's so bite, bite rhyme is bite into. No, no. it's it's short for herein. So it's uh, they've got the preposition and the. It's like you've got the position and the thing that you, you are doing to that position, which is herein. But they always follow the first syllable, so it's rhyme. Yeah. So mm. it's in the yeah in the in the original it would be it's like bite into in the fig. So that you have the kind of like double, doubling up. So you, obviously in English you don't need to have both of them. Yeah, yeah. So the word rhyme comes back again in this weird phrase, but I'm not familiar with it. How do you have rhyme? Is that a reflexive that was it? I mean, like, what I think I'm sort of the syntax of that was, or how it, I mean, is it um, like Reinhardt sich? Is it that the skin... I think does it's something to itself. It's reflexive. Again. Yeah, it's the same. So um, again, it's it's the. Um, so in what's in yours, Annie? Um, it is. Um, I think I have banging or screwing or something like that. And then um, into. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's um, it's this idea of the into. Is it this? So it's the skin doing these various things to itself with the kind of swollen. Body well, or the skin doing it to the flesh. And where's. So, but it's the idea of going, her rein is simply into, you'd say it about a room, ich gehe in den Zimmer rein. I go into the room. Um, okay. I th okay. I thought Reinhauen was to like knock into something or bang something. Yeah, kind of. Um, hence, banging. Yeah, and, um, and it can also be bite into, which is why mine's so bitey. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> it is quite bitey, yours. No, it is very funny. <laughs> I, need, I maybe need to see someone. I, 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 I read an amazing uh, short story actually yesterday called Biter um, by um, Kurt, 
Kristen Rupenion, I can't remember her oh, yes. um, the, the cat person. And that's about a woman who throughout her whole life is obsessed with biting people. <laughs> <laughs> I quite I like know. it though, because it's all, it is all very foodie. And yeah, you know, it, I yeah. think it works. And like with skin, I, I, I was tempted to have peel and... I'm glad you went with biting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah. Any more questions? <clears throat> a bit more general question, really. As, as, as poets yourselves, when you're translating a, a poem, do you have to fight the temptation to kind of rewrite the poem so it means what it means to you when you read it in the foreign language? I think, um, you, I, I mean, speaking from, for me personally, I think that's an unavoidable aspect of translating anyway. I think, um, yeah, people often ask, you know, are you con do you consciously make it more you or do you consciously try and make it less you? you I think for me, I'm very aware that there's always going to be a bit of you. You know, my, yeah. my vocabulary is quite, I would say, quite limited and my, my way of writing is very specific to me, like anybody. So I think, um, as we always say, the, you could get 100 people to translate the same poem and they'd all be slightly different, as we've seen just mm. with two poems. And that's because we're individuals with different associations and writing styles. So I think it's a healthy awareness to have, um, to not you know, translate something and be like, well, this is objectively the best yeah. translation. I think you, you always have a bit of you, but because because I, I write my own stuff it's, and it's very different to all the authors I've ever translated. That's very helpful. I think translating someone that was very similar to me, that might be quite tricky. I think, so it's quite funny because I'm, I would say I'm more of a translator than a writer and people suddenly started calling me a writer when I translated more, very mm -hmm. strangely. <laughs> so, so I think the translator bit of me is more dominant, I guess. But I think also... There are certain poems where I'm like, oh, I'd love to rewrite this. So Nora, my German poet, has an amazing poem, Ursprungsalphabet, where she goes through, and it's genuinely, it's an alphabet poem. It's like, ich bin Ariadne, um, die den Bad in den roten Wallenden folgt, bin Berseus, die Achilles diente, bin Calypso, all of which sounds perfectly fine. You get to E. Ich bin ein guter Maler de, und heiße Hitler. And suddenly, the E is from ein, which means A which is genius, and because she had to have Hitler in this poem because it's about Germanness, but she completely brings him off this... Anyway, it's amazing. You couldn't translate that. And I'd love that poem to exist in English, but that would be rewriting, and yeah. that would be my version. And that's kind of a... When I was making the selected poems for Hydra's Heads, I was like, one day I will do this, but I will do it when she is known for her, mm. and then I can do my version. So I guess there are certain ones where I'm like, I want to do it, but it's, it's my project as opposed to my translator's project. That's really interesting. Yeah, because again, because originally we were looking at the sound poems, weren't we, yeah. by Kennel? And then we decided not to do the sound poems because they would be probably rewritings rather mm. than this more direct way of translating. Kennel's really interesting, actually. So she's also a translator, and she translated someone oh, either from Catalan or Spanish or French. Romance languages are not my thing. Um, and it's anagram poems. So mm. she brought out this translation, which has two versions of each poem. And one is a direct, direct translation, as much as anything is. And the other one translates the first line and then makes an anagram of each line. So she has one translation for the formality and one translation for the meaning. 
and I think that's wonderful. Um. Right, um, I think I'm going to... Oh, uh, let's have one final question. Let's have one final question. Before we declare the winner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Uh, j just following on from that example, would it ever be an, uh, an option to actually leave a phrase in the original language? Um, so I did a thing a little bit like this, but where we deliberately did two versions of a poem and we interwove them. And that had, it had phrases in English in the original. Um, I think it was, um, the, the streets are paved with gold. Um, and my fellow translator, she then, to make up for it, left some stuff in German. Um, so you can absolutely do it. Mm -hmm. Certainly specific words, if they're not really translatable, I quite like. Yeah. I quite like it when people leave words, but not, mm. maybe not whole, whole phrases. I think it's, I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, again, it's down to the specific instance, but say there are words in German that have, have made their way into English, mm. for instance, like Schadenfreude or these kinds of words. I think they're, they're quite good to, to keep in. Although words like, like Wanderlust, we yeah. have in English, but has a very different actual meaning in mm. German or more complex. So when I translated um, The Pine Islands by Marion Poshman, um, I really... I didn't want to use wanderlust in my translation, so I had like longing to travel because I didn't want to mm. make that easy switch. Um, but yeah, like you say, there you know there's multilingual poets like Uliana Wolf who writes in a mixture of German and English, and then her translator Sophie Seiter then did the same but swapped. Yeah, it. yeah, they're so, amazing. So the the English becomes German, the German becomes English. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it is very specific, I think, to what you're doing. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for your questions. And thank you to our two, sadly, you've drawn guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know that's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> um, to our two fantastic translators, um, Jen and Annie, a big round of applause for that. <laughs>